Seth and I have already decided that we're in kind of a grumpy mood today. I'm not really sure why. Seth probably has better reasons than I do. But it really doesn't help for me to look over at the chat. They will take some questions today since Nate's not here. We'll take some questions in the back half of the show. And then, uh, you know, got my bingo card ready. Over under on the delay. We're already at 6.5. 10.5 minutes. I'll take the under. Me too. I'm blaming Briscoe. B-R-I-S-C-O-E. Listen here, Lucas. My name is on the screen and it ends with the O. And if you only knew how hard I worked to get this show to start on time, I've just accepted that my Sisyphusian task is going to be this, trying to get the show to start on time. And Seth's task is going to be to talk about his wife for the rest of the hour. Only weird games. Just the two of us. Get over it. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Only Weird Games, formerly known as Time's Ours. Welcome to Only Weird Games, Joshua Briscoe and Seth Kaiser. Nate Taylor's getting the bye week treatment today. Uh, seems like he's earned it, given the fact, Seth, that he, uh, last we saw him, was doing this show from Germany at like 1 a.m. You know, I just don't understand why Nate thinks he's special. I cannot recall the last time I missed a podcast. I mean, well, other than the time, I mean, I was in Iowa. Yeah, he was in Germany, but I mean, I was in Iowa driving. And so I just don't understand. I also really enjoyed that intro, by the way. I think that was among your best work. That's just like, welcome to Times Ours, where we will, not Times Ours, where we will yell at you for existing. No grownups. You know what, Neil? So we've got a comment from Neil Blair says, no grownups tonight? Oh, no. And let me just tell you, grownups are optional this week on Only Weird Games. I'm excited to see the direction it goes. I actually, um, Josh, I don't know if, you know, the people that are online can't see this. I prepared a short list of my favorite things about my wife. And so, A, she's absolutely wonderful. The legal pad that Seth just held up was more ink than paper. Go ahead. <laughs> double A, we're going we're gonna to actually do 26 of each letter of the alphabet. Oh, double A. Good. She's absolutely adorably wonderful. Wow. Yeah, we're going to end yeah. up wonderful up. That's awesome. Furthermore, okay, no, I'm done. It's I'm, my, so you know, my ability here was just to let you just drown in your own bit. Like, I could have just put, I, I know. walked out of my office, and it, it could have just been you talking about your wife on it. We can end this show that way, if you'd like to go ahead and do that. I said, happy anniversary, and my condolences to Jazz. Oh, that you have absolutely, completely, 100% correctly summed up the information available here. Um, I, I tweeted out a picture of, of, of Jazz and myself 16 years ago today. We were getting ready for the uh for the for the ceremony. Um, if I recall, I picked a fight with her that day, which was just really smart. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like a big fight, but it was like a little fight. If you want to picture something, Josh, so so after the ceremony, everyone does the greeting line and that kind of stuff a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can have people go by you, you just whatever. The way we decided to do it, and again, I was 22. Jazz was 20. Just babies. If you check out on Twitter, I, I posted a picture of us that day and then a picture of our family 
um, from this last winter when we were in Florida. My very favorite family picture ever. Um, it's because... great. It's a great picture. And in the wedding picture, you look, you look younger than your oldest right now. I do. I look like that was like the one of the first things people said was like, did you have a, like a permission slip to get married? <laughs> and we were so young and like we were like offended because there were a few family members that were like kind of worried. Like my sister, Hope, my older sister, Hope, she's always been very protective. She was like borderline having a panic attack. She's like trying to be supportive and stuff. And like we were like offended. Like, how dare you people? Not thinking we're and now we look back, we're like, holy crap, why didn't anyone stop us? Someone like, should have absolutely. Yeah. Now me, I'm good with it. Jazz, on the other hand, I it's a hit and miss thing. Um, but I just 16 years ago, so we were getting ready, and so the way that we 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 released everyone afterward, after um our good friend preached like a 30 minute sermon. It was so many things happened here, and it was well intentioned. It was so funny because like she had this, you know, normal kind of wedding. You know, it's like a five minute message. Pastors know this. You you get you get five minutes at a wedding. And then get out. Be, yep, get in, get out. But it's like NFL of... refereeing. They're not there to see you. You have yeah. to be there to make sure it happens, but they're not there for you. Yes. And someone happened to like a day or two before the ceremony tell this this gal who who's known Jazz her whole life, wonderful human being, just one of the greatest humans I know. And someone tells Barb. Some version of, hey, just so you know, there are going to be a lot of people here that aren't normally in church. And she's like, say no more. And like, oh, it was incredible. The the message, Jazz and I are sitting there like, man, she, she'd been talking about blood a lot. I <laughs> and I understand that theologically speaking, there's some, there's some very important things related yeah. to blood. But out of context, it just makes you sound nuts. And it's like. You know, hey, talk about the eating his flesh and drinking his blood too while you're at it. You cannot pull out. But anyway, so that all gets done. We did the whole thing. We did the, you know, the unity candle and all that fun stuff. The way that we dismissed everyone was they decided to have Jazz and I dismiss everyone. So we went to the first row and dismissed everyone to where they all walked out next to us, which meant that we greeted every single person before they could be dismissed. And as we're heading down there, a gal that has known me since high school, uh, an old friend of mine named Katie, um, I heard her say out loud to her mom, who was there with her, she goes, they're having Seth dismiss everyone. This is going to take three hours. Yes, this is also what I was thinking. That's something that would have taken forever. And it did. And But I mean, man. Best day of my life. We we didn't have a honeymoon or anything because we had to save up to be poor. So we went in my tux and in her wedding dress to Walmart to uh, get a tombstone pizza, and we got a tombstone pizza. Went back to our house and we opened all the uh, all the cards. Is that not fun? You just got married. Opening the cards is fun. That's yeah. like I give money for marrying you. What? Yeah, it's made a little bit less fun by realizing like, okay, so this money goes to the wedding and this money goes to the wedding and this money pays for the wedding and this money pays for the wedding. <laughs> so, you know, like, you know where the money's going, but uh, but I am I was very, very grateful for uh, for what we got. And, you know, also like now it's, listen, Seth, I really, this is not a setup to a joke about how old uh, you are now or how long ago your wedding was or whatever. But we just had like, for like a month, we just had Amazon packages showing up and it was like, ooh, a nightstand. It's like, let's see who this is from. Yeah. Um, which is also, which is a different kind of just sort of like, ah, oh, it's been Christmas for like a month and a half now. This is wonderful. That is so cool. I can tell you that Amazon as a company did exist when we got there. Yeah, you could, get, you could get books from there maybe. But it had been launched 
I mean, so if you go to Wikipedia, our marriage time is in the quote unquote early years <laughs> of Amazon. Like it was not, it was providing enterprise services with simple storage service and elastic compute cloud. Like it was not, it was not what it is now. Shall we say this? This was like pre Netflix. This was like some of our earliest members were like going to video stores with Tucker and like, hey, let's pick out the video we're going to get. It's just, it's a lot of fun. But I appreciate you letting me wax non-eloquently about 16 years. And let me just say anyone who's younger than me, which is the, here it is. Most of the people who are listening to this are much, much younger than me, as well as the trees in their yard. But <laughs> I would just say, man, you, you young men, you want your life to work out well. Marry the right woman and everything else just kinda just kinda falls into place. Now, I, I was I was working at Pomita making minimum wage when she met me. And uh things have gone okay. Now her also marry a, a good woman who makes terrible life choices. Because I don't you know where she has at least one. Yeah. Yeah. She's willing to make at least one bad decision. And uh yeah, sixteen years later, life is good, man. Life is good. It it is really funny for you to just be like, hey, and I'm just gonna go ahead and make it general to anybody. But y- you basically just said, hey, if you want your life to go well, meet and marry the right person. And I can imagine just a bunch of people right now, like that Drake or is it Drake and Lil Yachty? I think maybe and the, that the uh, meme from I think a music video of them looking at a computer, like, oh. like the lights just came. Like, oh, that's the thing. Oh, I just have to meet and marry the right person. Oh God. Let nobody ever tell me that in my teens. <laughs> well, well it's really, yeah. it really is like to relate it to football. It's so funny where it's like, well, you know what the key to long-term success is? Um, get a franchise quarterback and then hit on every draft pick. Yeah, I mean, why, I just do this that. is so easy. Why are none of it's like Red Veach with this defense this year? It's like this is so easy. Why aren't all these other idiots doing this? Like, just hit on every single player you draft in a couple of drafts in a row, and you'll have a ton of young talent. It's like, ah. Uh, Oh, sure, 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 you know? It's, yeah, I mean, look, just advice. Just draft the greatest quarterback of all time near yeah. the end of the draft and then uh, have a great head coach <laughs> who's just going to scheme up just gremlin little defenses for his entire career, and you're going to win, like, I don't know, five, six, seven rings. That's all I mean. You'll figure it out. Yeah, th- th- this isn't hard. Um, The last time I hit on every... So White Bacon just commented the last time I hit on every draft pick, I got slapped and left. Nice. Good job. Good. You turned that in well. That was good. But I would not want to be slapped by by Felix and Yudika Yozama or oh my Juan Yamor. I mean, any of them really. But a, there's yeah. Well, I, maybe that maybe that was a pass draft for you. Uh, I also just because because I started in such a vengeful spirit today for whatever reason. I just want to say shout out to Gail who commented, "Love the silliness Seth, Josh, and Nate bring to the show. Life needs silliness." And that makes me very happy, Gail, and I appreciate it. And yeah. I'll use this little cross promo uh, that uh, Kent Swanson and I did 21 questions this week on KCSN. And uh, it was very silly. And we talked a lot about things like being silly and uh, where that fits and everything. So that's that was a lot of fun. And uh, maybe something else that if you haven't checked out, I, don't, I really don't know kind of what the, the crossover is. If we've got like 100% overlap of weird games in the lab and 21 questions, if everyone listens to everything else. Or if sometimes it's good to remind you that like, some of the best Chiefs content in the world all lives on one podcast feed or one YouTube that channel. What's fascinating how that it's happens. It's funny how that works. The little maybe interesting. Maybe one show. Maybe if you're a new one show listener, maybe become two or three show listener. Maybe some of us break good stuff. Anyway, I digress. What accent was that? 
it's I don't know. It's not an accent. It's a character oh. is what I think it is. Oh, sure. The character that it, may have an accent. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But it really sets me free of any like stereotyping because I'm not good at accents. If you're like doing I mean, doing anything accent, my my response is going to be probably not just because I think it's going to be terrible. Mm. But sometimes yeah, it's it's TBS characters. Welcome in here, baby. It's just sometimes the characters come out. Sometimes it's just all of a sudden a character appears. I don't know what this take's going to be for, but there's a take in here somewhere. Maybe yeah, him is just frogging my throat. Don't I don't know. What know. that guy's got to do, but he's got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. We're all gonna... I think the I'm body really language thinking. there brought it into character. I think it took it from some kind of character. I'm some kind of De Niro parody, but I'm not sure yeah. which one. It could be it could be any of them, and that keeps you safe from doing one bad accent because you're actually doing one good character. Nice. Uh, I guess we could talk about football uh, if Let's that see. works for you. I feel like they're oh also so maybe in the back half of the show we might take a few questions since it is just me and Seth and it's a bye week, uh, so maybe a little bit of a live mailbag type of deal in the back half. Um, Seth said if you put a little question mark at the beginning of your comment, it'll make it easier to see that it's a question for later. Um, and we can I'll, I'll keep an eye on the chat some later on, and Tucker can put it up on the screen. All of that, another good reason to uh, to watch the show live when you get a chance to across the KCSN video streams. Okay, Absolutely. enough cross promo and enough of you talking about your wife and the magic of marriage and uh, whatever secret of, to happiness that you've been uh, hoarding from the rest of us. Let's talk about a couple things going on right now uh, because it has been a quiet week. No press conferences or any of that as the Chiefs will be off this weekend and then actually off next weekend as well, uh, at least in a game-playing standpoint because Monday night against the Eagles uh, a week from upcoming Monday. It's great for me because I get to sit on the couch and watch Red Zone two weekends in a row. Mm, can't wait. Uh, but looking at the offensive and defensive side, Seth, you've done both of those, uh, and we didn't talk about Karloftis. I can't remember if your Karloftis review, yeah, it was after the Broncos game. Um, we just didn't get to get fully into it for some reason or another, and I want to get to the defense because that is a huge part of of what has made this team successful so far. But got the new Mahomes film review out. Yep. It is going to let us talk about Mahomes, the offensive line, the wide receivers, but I was, I imagine... I used is... up everything in one article, by the way. I am so bad at this. Like, so okay, I, I started it's... writing it, and I was like, that's like three articles. Yeah. Like, it, it's good for me, because we had to do this podcast today either way. So I'm grateful for yeah. it. Yeah. But we can get to the the other things playing a part. But last week, your Mahomes film review was blue or whatever else. Mahomes missed some shots and, and had a poor game by Mahomes standards. Or by this? or by or by even good quarterback standards, which that like has happened to him like three times in his career, and it's I mean it's usually come alongside like a, a you know ankle injury or flu like symptoms or whatever. So maybe there's something there. Yep. But I was just as surprised to read as I su- I uh, suppose you were to write that Patrick Mahomes's performance against the Miami Dolphins was in a word in your word mm-hmm. boring. Yeah. Unpack that for us, because that is a stunner, and I think I think you you explained it well in the story. I think uh, one way of like so one of the things that I chart is multiple read plays, where you know Mahomes goes from the first read to the second read to the third read in a way that's clear, and he's not just baiting the defense that kind of stuff. He normally has somewhere between you know seventeen to twenty five of those in a game. This one he had ten, and I think that's a good reflection of. He was just kind of out there executing the offense. He had 38 created yards, whereas he normally has something around 60. Um, it just, 
it really kind of went how the offense went. Like, and he was fine. He wasn't bad. He had three missed shots and he had two happy feet snaps. One of those happy feet snaps overlapped the missed shots. They often do. Um, but he didn't have a lot of bad snaps. He didn't have a lot of great snaps. It was it was an okay game. It was fine. Um, for him, it was a low-end game. But he was above average for a normal quarterback. Even good for a quarterback. But it was just boring. There wasn't really anything special in it. Probably the most special throw he made all day because he was under pressure was um, uh, to MVS down the field. And he had evaded pressure that was coming by. Not really pressure, but he had to step up into the pocket. And as he stepped out of the pocket, a looping defensive lineman, as is happening far too often in, in pass protection, got right in his face. And he basically had to like, he was stepping forward to step into the throw. And it was so weird. It was like a video game glitch. He was like, never mind, I'll throw it. And like, it, it was a very weird look, but he still managed to push the ball 45 plus yards on the field. MVS had to slow down a bit, um, but he still had was in the position to box out with his body. He kind of misplayed the ball, still got his hands on the ball. People called it a defense pass. That was not. I've looked at every angle of that. That was a million percent one that should have been caught. That was his best play of the day. Um, he had a few other decent plays. Um, he, he, he was fine. Um, most quarterbacks are going to miss, um, in my experience, most elite quarterbacks will miss like one, one and a half shots a game. Most quarterbacks will miss two or three, maybe even like five, four or five. It just, it's tough. Elite quarterbacks, it's normally about one and a half, maybe two. You're seeing a few more of those from him where he's not just trusting what he's seeing to let it rip into the middle of the field. And one on with Noah Gray, um, the the play call worked. Um, the 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 Dolphins are playing split field coverage, which means they had two guys deep on one side, one guy deep on the other side. The two deep guys on the right side of the Chiefs line, they basically got sucked up in coverage. Noah Gray is ready to cross the field, and you've got a safety that's like frantically gesturing at everyone, please don't do the thing you're doing. And they did anyway, and had Mahomes not dropped his eyes and tried to scramble, he could have hit Gray downfield for a huge gain, even with a mediocre throw. So all that's a long road to a short thought that people, we, we talked last week about like the thing, like everyone wants to know what the thing is that's got the Chiefs offense being okay, okay, even good, but just not by their standards. And Mahomes was a little bit of it against Miami again, which is unusual to see two games in a row. He was much better than he was against Denver, not even close, but he was still a little bit a part of it on a couple of crucial plays. But they also, it was just kind of a sum of the parts type thing. Little things just going wrong at the worst possible time. Uh, let's go to the O-line here because we've spent most of the offensive issue time talking about the wide receivers or Mahomes directly. But you mentioned there just like them seeming to have some issues passing guys off, having some maybe communication problems, maybe their execution problems. One of the, the reps where Joe Tooney just got like put in a, a, a spin cycle I think he might have been getting held a tiny bit, but still was like a good play from a defensive lineman who got away with it, if memory serves. But how how are you seeing that show up on fi on film? How damaging is it? And are you concerned about that the, the pattern there that really seems to be into place? Also, a little side thing and something that uh, Jason Anderson mentioned on Sports Radio 810 WHB today is at least one of the... I, th I can't... God, he, he knew what the play was. I have since forgotten. Somewhere late in the game, it was like a... I think it was an attempt to get a deep shot, and he saw uh, both Jarek McKinnon and Travis Kelsey chipping for each tackle, and 
I I wonder how the Chiefs feel about their tackles right now also. So when you when you look at the offensive line through that lens, what are you seeing? Sure. So Andy has often utilized chips even when he's got guys that don't necessarily need them. Like Mitch Schwartz was left on an island pretty frequently, but he also had chips help pretty frequently. Um, he was just really good at utilizing it. Um, and so Andy's always going to do that. Um, he they, they ask their guys to play on an island a fair amount, but they'll provide some support. Um, the, the, the tackles weren't playing great, but it really was much more to me. And it's been an offensive line wide issue in terms of dealing with, um, dealing with various types of stunts. And I, I I know everyone that's watching this or listening to this, I'm sure they know it, but you know, your basic defensive line stunt is the, the idea being, or sometimes it's with like a delayed blitz or something like that. It's where at the beginning of the snap, your defensive lineman pretends he's going to attack a certain gap. Rather than attacking that gap, he cuts back horizontally, and then someone else either pushes the offensive line vertically, and he cuts around in the idea in the hole that's being created. The idea is that you like kind of mess with the angles the offensive linemen have and the assignments. And so what it requires is really good communication and pretty good feet. And generally speaking, the Chiefs offensive line has been pretty solid against these looks. They, they have sharp guys there um this year against the jets and the dolphins in particular it was problematic um and and it just happened a few too many times on important downs so you know there was a third and long where mahomes checked down to jarek mckinnon well he had to because the pressure was already home um there was another there was a play where there was a busted coverage where rasheed rice was wide open on the left side of the field but Mahomes didn't have time to get there uh, because the the pressure's there. And the problem is, if you have just, let's say, five plays like that in a game, but, you know, at least three or four of them are on important downs, those are drive killers. And that's, um, that that's, that's, we saw a few too many drive killers. And one thing I would note, because a lot of people want to talk about the tackles, low-key, Trey Smith has really struggled with stunts this year. Um, in, against the Jets game, he was a primary culprit, the primary culprit. Um, and so, and, and in pass protection, honestly, a lot of people want to talk about Taylor and Smith, uh, as in Donovan Smith. I, I saw a, a stat from KCPFF saying Trey Smith hasn't given up a sack this year. I would beg to differ. Um, then everyone charts things a little bit differently, but. It really has been an offensive line as a whole issue because you've even seen, you you mentioned Joe Tooney. We've seen a few mistakes from him, a few mistakes from Creed. The interior hasn't been quite as good this year. So it's not just a tackle issue because, again, even when we're talking about something as niche as the offensive line, people generally want to find the thing. Well, the sure. thing is Donovan Smith stinks. No, not really. He's been back and forth. Taylor had all that stuff happen early this season, which we've kind of been through. Generally speaking, in pass pro alone, he's been good. Um, but the stunt stuff, the communication stuff, you see some communication issues with him and, and Trey Smith. So it, it really is something that when you've got that kind of investment in Taylor, though, just like the investment that you've got in Joe Tooney, you are paying these guys to be elite, not just good and with some consistency flashes. Um, and Taylor, I think, has I, I think he's gotten better as the year has gone along overall. But it's just kind of one of those things where 
it is tough with that level of investment. Oh, and and I, there's a comedy from Thomas Lester talking about Trace Smith's holding call took away Mahomes' first down scramble. Um, seemed like a phantom call to me is is what Thomas said. I respectfully disagree. I see the hold there, but the problem is it was unnecessary hold. He didn't need to hang on because Mahomes was already breaking through, and Smith has had a few of those killer penalties this year. So here's the big problem when you're trying to figure out the thing versus a thing. When you think about the offensive line being a thing and a part of the problem, again, it's about timing. If you if you have, let's say, three really problematic third down snaps from an offensive line, that might be three of your your nine or ten drives. And suddenly, boom, those 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 drives are over. You know, and again, you you, you don't hit Rasheed Rice on the left side with room to work. You don't have any time to survey the field. And those are drive killers. And so the consistency there hasn't been what they need, or at least it wasn't against the Dolphins. I, I know that there is a, a large jump between like, hey, explain what you're seeing and then explain why it's happening. I know it's tough because we're not in the meeting rooms and it the the I don't know, compounding factors for me, maybe is that this is not a new offensive line. It's new tackles. But it, the interior has been playing together. The, the like communication growing pains. I certainly didn't expect to see those pop up in 2023. Right. Uh, for those three guys on the interior. And Andy Heck is generally very highly regarded as an offensive line coach. Yep. Um, I have I would not know where to begin evaluating an offensive line coach by and large. But sure. this is the type of thing that if you saw this in a vacuum, you would say like, man, what are they doing all week? They got worse after theoretically upgrading at tackle um, or at least at least holding pretty steady, maybe. Sure. Certainly spending more money at tackle. Uh, with Juwan Taylor's contract being the, the big one there, do you do you see something that you can that you're comfortable theorizing about, or or that is showing up consistently enough to at least be like clearly one of the bigger issues within that group? I personally don't think the tackle play has really taken a step backwards. I think yeah. the interior line isn't quite as good as it was last year, and we're noticing more when there are tackle issues because other things are going wrong. You know. There were games last year where Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley really struggled, but the offense overall didn't because Mahomes shifted to demigod mode or they had, you know, three or four screen calls that went huge or, you know what I mean? Like th those those things that helped them overcome those issues haven't been as prevalent. And that's what, where you get to kind of the boring aspect of the Dolphins game too in that Mahomes wasn't bad, but he wasn't this overwhelming force also that kind of overcame some of the setbacks, which is what we are used to him being. So in terms of the line, I think I think you're absolutely right to note that it's it's concerning when you're halfway through the season, you're seeing some of those issues, especially when the two guys that you brought in, it's not like they're rookies. You know, Donovan Smith's been in the league a long time. Jawan Taylor's been in the league a long time. Both of them have well over 50 starts between the two of them. And Taylor was really good against stunts in Jacksonville. So I genuinely don't know. I think, I could be wrong, a couple of the stunts that Fangio threw at them, to his credit, were were really, really, really well designed and kind of like a delayed, longer looping type stunt. And that's one thing that's interesting with stunts. And this is where if people wanted to make the receivers the thing, quote unquote, and Mahomes' trust issues with them, the thing, I think there's a direct correlation that could be found in Mahomes not pulling the trigger quite as quickly and some of these stunts having time to get home. So I'm not I'm not quite sure 
if the line is the problem there any more so than they were last year, but we just notice it more because there's a few other problems too. And that's where um, you almost get like compound interest, but in a bad way when you've got a few other issues on offense. I don't want to go down this entire rabbit hole, but it, it is another... We, we, we talked about Joe Tooney's contract when that got signed. It's like, eh, that's a lot of money for a guard, a guard who's been excellent and who has been healthy and stayed on the field, and I understand all of that, but like, that's a, that's a team effort up there for your front five, and it, his contract is not getting lighter after the restructuring. So, uh, I don't know, something to keep an eye on, because with yep. Trey Smith as a six-round pick on a rookie contract, even a guy who obviously dropped to that spot because of medical stuff, if you say he's been a little more inconsistent and whatnot, hey, you know what? That's not you're happy to have that guy on that paycheck at your starting right guard position. Um, it's we another mention for something Kit and I talked about. I'll ask you the same thing because um, it was a question posed to us over on on Twenty One Questions. But um, they the question was I think about uh, it was specifically about Donovan Smith and Orlando Brown Jr. and saying have the Chiefs gotten better or worse at left tackle now through half the season? Um, I think both Kit and I pretty much settled in at, well, for the money, Donovan Smith has been a better value at left tackle. Um, but by that same by that same metric, I mean, Andrew Wiley was a better value at right tackle than Juwan Taylor has been. So I don't know. How do you splice that? Um, I think from what I've seen, Donovan Smith has been the equivalent or better in pass protection than Brown was. Probably a little better, I think. I haven't charted every snap. So, I mean, yeah, that's he- just eyeball test, impact on the game. Um, but he is a downgrade in, in run blocking, to be sure. Um, t- Taylor's a downgrade in run blocking to Wiley. Um, and in my opinion, and it's not a popular one, but I think when you go back and look at every snap, I think it's there. Um, yeah, I think he's a marked upgrade in pass protection. The problem is all the penalties and all that stuff that went on the first three weeks offset any benefit there. And so, I mean, you you get that same thing. Now, what now compared to Andrew Wiley last year, much better value. Andrew Wiley and his current contract, that's a little bit of a tougher conversation. But I, I it's it's one of those things to where I can't tell how much of it is the line generally against Miami. It was more so than it had been in previous games. And I can't tell how much of that is that complementary aspect of it to where they 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 are affected by the situation right now with the receivers and Mahomes and their combination. But that said, I do think some blame lies there because some of the shot plays they're trying to dial up aren't working in part because you've got a protection breakdown. You mentioned a lot of complimentary negatives that are compounding there on the Chiefs offense, but complimentary good things are happening defensively. I want to ask you about that at the side of our timeout. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you look forward to the upcoming holidays, but even though it's getting darker and colder in Kansas City, it might be hard to get up for those holidays. Maybe those seasonal blues are coming back, and this time of year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel some sadness or some anxiety about it, but adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid the stress and all the change. It can be something to look forward to. It can make you feel grounded, and it can give you the tools to manage everything that's going on. 
Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. And look, it's not just for people who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp by visiting BetterHelp.com slash KCSN to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash KCSN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we'll grab some questions from the live chat here in a little bit. But I mentioned at the top, George Karloftis, you wrote about him after the Broncos game. And um, just another chance for us to talk about this defensive line as Karloftis uh, seems to be taking a really legitimate step in year two. I love watching George Karloftis rush the passer. I don't know, full disclosure, and people will maybe disagree with this because they'll see all the pressures. I think he's still top 10 in the NFL in pressures. I don't know if he'll ever be a dude. Because the way he wins takes a little bit longer. But I think he will be, he is already a very good guy. Like, there, you know, there's layers to this. There's levels to this. And he has been, other than a meta who we've only got a couple games in the hatch there, so it's a little tougher to say. He's been the second best pass rusher markedly, and he's been part of the complimentary pass rush. There are so many things to like about what Karloff this does. The biggest thing for me, we've talked about this before, I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the conditioning is for water polo, but whatever it is, it's easier than or harder than football because Karloftis <laughs> is just constantly running. He's constantly sprinting. He's constantly just fighting with the with the tackle. Doesn't matter what the play is, start to finish. Doesn't matter if he's been on the field for five straight snaps. It, it, he is just constantly, constantly going. Playing him seems like a miserable experience, but he's also so like last year, he had that already, right? He had the fact that he is a pretty explosive athlete. Doesn't have bend, but he's a he's, he's got some change of direction and explosion as an athlete. He had that last year too, and that helped him with the ability to execute some of Spags' stuff. Um, had a little natural power. What's changing for him this year, he's gotten better with getting his hands free when he's trying to turn the corner, and he's gotten better at utilizing that freedom of his hands to, to set himself up to corner well to where 
It's not great corner. It's never going to be, you know, bending the corner like Von Miller or even like, I well, basically anyone that has bent. But he is he has gotten the ability to turn the corner and close a little bit. And that's been, it's been so fun to watch because it just changes the math um, across the line. And and I'm curious because we are still in year two. He He's layering pass rush moves together a little bit more. He work, He's working a lot. You'll see this if you watch for it every game. He's working a lot on an inside spin as a counter. Um, and that's a natural counter to a long arm. Um, because It's a natural counter to a bull rush in some ways too. So he's working on that inside spin. He's working on essentially a chop rip around the edge. And then he utilizes the long arm bull rush power stuff. And so he's, he's getting a little more variety to his game. And when you throw all that together, it just makes him really fun to watch. Even if he's not like, if, if you were to like, if I were to pick one to win a one-on-one matchup, um, inside or outside, inside, outside, it'd probably be a toss up inside. It would be Charles Amenahu, but it, it's, it's been really cool to watch that development. This is uh sort of a random follow-up, but how would you say Chris Jones wins from the edge? <laughs> um, by having incredible length, being incredibly strong, being able to bend, being able to go through them, and being quick enough to do inside moves along with being one of the best three-hand fighters in the NFL, and being stronger than everyone he's up against, and being more athletic than those guys too. There's a lot there. Now, that really, like, the edge is, the, the world is his oyster, really. Like, if you get, like, an elite tackle like Trent Williams... You know, the, the, then the strength it's factor. Pacific Rim now. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, I, I, I kind of want them to face the Niners just to see. But I'm, I'm assuming what the Chiefs would do is they'd send them to the right tackle all day. Yeah. Because why do that? You know, like and Trent will sit there and fume and be like, Ugh! and instead of it, we got this, this white dude across from me that never stops moving. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, they'll let, they'll let George Karloftis annoy Trent Williams into submission. Probably would collect maybe one win against him all day, and that's no slight on George. That's how everyone does against Trent Williams. The guy's a beast. But with with Jones, he does have bend around the edge, which is a weird thing to say about yeah. a dude who's built like him. But he's just he he can win literally every way as a pass rusher, and that's what makes him so problematic. It just uh, it, it, that sparked because I was thinking I don't know I don't know where you would where you would put Chris Jones's bend in a defensive end scouting report. Like, I don't know how far down the list it would go. And it, he's an alien. So it, it that would probably be the first line is he's an alien. And then you'd get yeah. after that. But I, I thought it was very interesting. Again, you wrote about it in the, the Chief from the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Uh, you can join the Legion there. Uh, <laughs> and I, I thought it was interesting there. And as you explained now, the idea of, of Karloftis being able to put together a larger repertoire that he can pull from, that sort of feels like the, I don't know, I, the, the reasonable best-case scenario that we were talking about around the draft, right? It, right. There, no one ever thought that he was going to suddenly get really, really fluid and bendy. That that was never that was never the developmental hope. The hope was, can you use the strength and length and motor and then begin to build some stuff on top of it? Yep. And I'm impressed by where he's landed there because we say that about guys a lot. Like, yep. we, we say, well, if he can just get more te- technically adept... They'll th- he'll be a pro bowler. And, it and it's like always true. Kind of actually doing that. Yes. And it's rare to see guys, there. there's a limit to all this. And that's where, when you live in the NFL world, and that's what I always really try to hammer down to people, when you are in the NFL, there is just the, the those those percentages that 
2% difference matters so much because you already, all of them are, they, they, they are a bunch of, you know, a bunch of kaiju. These are a bunch of freaks of nature who are incredible at what they do and being two or 3% better in one area gives you this huge edge. And with, we, so we say about guys all the time, you know, it's like, well, like Tershawn Morton, excellent athleticism. Can he develop a little more functional forward moving strength and learn to layer pass rush moves together? It doesn't look like it. He's having a decent year, but he kind of is who he is. There's almost always a ceiling on guys, and that ceiling is almost never reached linearly. And not even everyone really reaches their ceiling. And the reality is these guys do work very, very hard. Some of them work harder. And Carl Loftus, from everything we're seeing, I love that he went and worked with Tom Bahali to try to get some of the hand fighting out because he recognized... Now, Ali had more bent. Didn't have incredible bend, but he had he had enough. Ali, but he won in those similar ways that it's like, well, even though I've been working out for three hours before the game, I will now outwork you during the game. That had to be so intimidating. Like, you know, looking across the field at Tom Ali just drenched in sweat going through a workout. You're like, is he is he still playing? It's like <laughs> occasionally he'd be drenched in sweat and blood. Yeah. It's like and, and, and he looked like a Power Ranger with his like visor <laughs> and face. Like, so I such a great I just aesthetic. don't. I honestly don't. I I uh, got to talk to him a couple of years ago at an event, and we chatted for a while. It was great. Very nice man. Very seems like a, a good soul. Just enjoyed our chat. If he was, if he walked up in full uniform like that, if I'm a professional football player looking at him, I, think, I I don't feel like I'm equipped for this moment. Yeah, this <laughs> is know. not. I don't know. That I, can, I can stop the predator. I don't. It just yeah. seems impossible. That the aesthetic he had was terrific. The, the, that's the, the next. That's what Karloftis needs next week or ne- next he, next off season. I mean, uh, Tomba needs to get back with him and, and and start working on the aesthetic. Some. Do you remember um, um, Peyton Hillis before he kind of fell off the map? He had like that almost like Bane like yes. face mask. I think Karloftis would be good with that, and, and that would be fun to see. But you you really don't see guys all the time build their strengths and really get some linear progression like he does. And so that's been that's been good to watch, and it makes me wonder if his ceiling's a little higher than I thought it was. Because where he is right now is a guy that I am perfectly comfortable with as a late first round edge guy, a guy who's pretty reliable against the run, good functional strength, a really good complementary pass rusher. Maybe not quite a dude, but close. And the fact that he's reached that point midway through year two, that's really good. And it is, I'm trying not to be like, oh, well, maybe his ceiling's way higher than because that's not how development works. Right. It's a good point, though. It's also why guys don't just all continue getting better through their early 30s. Like, it's eventually, I, I don't want to pick a, a a player that I'm accidentally slandering of just like a good above average pat. Trey Hendrickson rules. I don't, I don't think that means that he is going to be Derek Thomas by the end. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> that eventually ceilings get ceilings get hit. Um, you mentioned also before the show Charles Aminahu, and you mentioned just recently. Obviously, only two games in, so it's a small sample size and all of that. But in this game of complimentary pass rush, had, did you do you see anything else from him? Uh, also, watching the Miami game and and wondering uh, exactly how far this pass rush can go. One thing I really liked in the sack he collected against Denver. It's one of the plays that I broke down there, and that was a good complimentary pass rush snap because you had Chris Jones shoving the guard in the backfield, and Russ Wilson would have had somewhere to escape but a man who had cornered at about seven yards. And he's he's also not a bendy guy, although in some ways he looks a little more fluid than George, even though he's a bigger guy. Mm. Um, but the thing that a man who can do that helps aid him, and this is something Karloftis can work on too, 
is if you have power through contact, this is one way. So Chris Jones, does he have nearly as much bend as like Miles Garrett even? No, of course not. That that would be weird if he did. And Miles Garrett is weird. Yeah, no, Miles Garrett is weird because he's not that much smaller than Chris Jones. So like if Jones had that kind of bend, they'd line him up on the edge all the time and he would be an oversized Miles Garrett and good Lord. But what he does have is incredible bounce through contact, which means he doesn't have to completely free his hands to corner because he can run right through and almost start to crush that offensive lineman inside towards the quarterback while he's turning the corner. So it's like in theory, oh, I've made contact. I'll push him wide. Why am I moving backwards towards the quarterback? <laughs> and, and a meta who has a little bit of that too in terms of the ability, and that's what he does on this pass rush. He doesn't corner around the lineman. He corners through him. And those things, he can do that from the edge, and that's the path to winning for him from the edge. Um, he really is, though. I, 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 They're trying to figure out still how to best utilize their guys because Mike Dan is at his best inside as well. Um, and he's not as effective as who is from the edge. But when they utilize Jones and who together on the interior, I really like what they're able to both do. You want to take some questions? Yeah, I'd love to take some questions. I did have one question that I thought was interesting. I don't think got started where someone asked what um, um, uh, Vic Fangio has done to distinguish himself. Um, the, the short answer would be about two-thirds of the NFL copies a lot of his schematic stuff at this point. And that that's the big thing. Like this this new current age of shell coverages with with various um zones and pattern match stuff, a lot of that is Fangio stuff. Um and so now the one thing with Fangio though is he he needs some specific players to make his defense work, which is generally true for everyone. We've seen Spags without his guys or some of his guys, and now we're seeing him with his guys, and it's like and so, but I would just say with Fangio, there, there's a lot of copycatting of him across the league in terms of how he approaches the kind of modern high-flying offense type stuff. And a lot of the reasons why defenses have kind of made a comeback this year, not just against Chiefs, but across the NFL, a lot of it, or some of it at least, is some of his stuff. Uh, also, I'll just go ahead and say that if you have even a chance of you thinking your name is phonetically difficult for me, a person who's bad at reading and pronouncing names, you can you can leave your phonetic uh, spelling in the in the comment if you like. Or if I get it wrong, you can yell at me and I'll try to correct it. Uh, nice. So anyway, from Lev or Lev or Lev, full name was Liv Moss. Maybe this is a Taco Bell account. I don't know, but I thought this was a fun one. Uh, Seth and Josh, if you were coordinators on an NFL team, would you be skybox guys or sideline guys? I, I'd 100% have to be a skybox guy. Like, I, I need to be able to see what's going on. That So, and they said, I cannot even imagine being a skybox guy, inject that sideline drama into my veins. Being on the <laughs> sideline seems more fun. Oh, yeah. But I 100%, I don't understand why not every play caller is not in the skybox. Or, yeah. I, I mean, you can see everything. I guess if, if the communication with players is more important maybe maybe spags is having a lot of conversations in real time you don't want to have to have all those on the headset yeah like i i it seems like the uh the skybox would be an easier way to do it right um, and now i'm sure they they have someone in the skybox so if you've got someone you really trust to tell you what what the look was on the previous play and you're able to take that internally digest it and not have to see it fair enough you're much smarter than i am congratulations yeah it's that seems like a challenging way to do things 
Uh, from Colby Makes Photos, Isaiah Pacheco runs like the German language sounds. Discuss. <laughs> Why? I can't build on something that's perfect. That I also really... not going to do the accent, but I think it's great, and I just wanted to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, from... It's so accurate. He, I, I love I love writing about Pacheco just because there's so many of those things where people are just like, you know, Pacheco runs like his family is held hostage and they'll die if he doesn't get five yards per carry. And I, you can just, I, I don't know how he does it. I talked to him uh, a week or two ago and wrote about it over on Arrowhead Report. And I just read him like five of those from Twitter, including like some one from Ryan Clark and RG3. And, and he seemed to be having a good time with it. He was he was cracking up at some of the Isaiah Pacheco runs like he's mad at the ground or whatever. Yeah. Um, so he, he 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 at least now is aware of that meme. I don't know if he was before or not, but I made sure that that happened. Well, um, from Paz or Paz or or, you know, P.A.S., um, do you think Marcus Peters could end up in the Hall of Fame? No. He's been he's been a turnover machine for a long time, Seth. I think you're right, but you were pretty dismissive about my guy Marcus Peters. Are you putting uh, up numbers? Well, let me let me double check. I'm Does... curious too. I didn't Google it before I read it, but I I'm <laughs> curious. So I'm looking at interception leaders. Um and let's see where he's at on there. Cause that that would be it. Like, and and I understand that. Um all right, let's see. I've got to hit. Five. He's tied for third in active uh, interceptions right now. Patrick Peterson, um, yeah, Harrison Smith is two, and then he's tied with Tashawn Gibson. He is. He is. Uh, he is tied for 163rd all time, which is now. Now that sounds like whatever, but you got to understand. There's like because he's got 33 picks, and there's like you know. 10 people with 33, 10 people with 34, 10 people with 35. So that's why, you know, that 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 knocks you so far down the list. I would just say, let me put it this he way. Has, he it, has seven touchdowns. That is a buttload of touchdowns. That's I'll crazy. Work. And you know what? The one thing, I was pretty dismissive out of the gate. My understanding is, well, here's the problem. Now he's back with the Raiders, or not back with, but he's with the Raiders now. And... You're just not seeing a ton of noteworthy in terms of, like, if you're a cornerback, it's hard to make the Hall of Fame. You have to either have a certain number of picks, you have to have a certain number of touchdowns, you or you have to have had a reputation for years of being a shutdown corner. And here's the problem for him is he's never really had a reputation as a shutdown corner. Right. And, and I think that creates the barrier for him along with, you know, business decisions, this, that, and the other thing. I, I've i actually come a little ways the other direction. I used to kind of say I didn't really care that much, but seeing what it looks like with a Spags defense when every corner tackles real well, see the reason why, you know, not being a, a tackler is, is problematic unless you're Deion Sanders. So I, I just don't think he makes it unless he's able to really utilize kind of his intelligence to have some longevity, switch to safety, and really start bumping up those pick numbers. Uh, I think that's fair. I, my answer would also be saying probably not, no. But I, uh, I think he's an all fun team and a uh, a top a top ten defensive pick in my uh, NFL Street Four roster that doesn't currently exist. Uh, all I think it'd be an all timer at that. From Latrell, uh, would you rather have a Kyler Murray-sized Mahomes or a Mahomes-sized Kyler Murray at quarterback? I, uh, I, 
honest to goodness, I think I'd rather have it. So assuming everything else stays the same about their ability, right? Mm-hmm. It would be kind of funny to see Mahomes' style of running in a Kyler Murray-sized body. It really would like that- a baby, look like a baby. It would, especially <laughs> like the way he runs and just like you, that would be pretty funny. Um, with Kyler Murray, you know, honestly, I've always been kind of more in on him than I think really? some. Every time I've watched him, he looks really, really good. The problem is, I genuinely like some of the stuff that's happened with him is weird, and I can't tell if that's Kingsbury issue or if that's a him issue. Um, but man, it's it'd be tough when you look at because if he were Mahomes' size. He would be like even faster, like probably. Yeah. You know what I? You know what I mean? Like I'm so tickled like, that you have revealed yourself to be kind of a Kyler guy. Because if I was the Minnesota Vikings, I would be all over him this upcoming off season. Yeah, um, I would be so intrigued. The Cardinals probably pay some of that contract. You're not going to have to give a super high pick. Uh, I've I am not out on Kyler yet. I've also picked him up in all of my fantasy leagues for this year because yeah, I still have it, hope. And I really like, by the way, just on the side note, I hope the Vikings do something like that because I really like O'Connell. I think he's a good offensive coach. And I think you can get a playmaker. I think they've got an offensive system that works there. So I think that's a really good idea. I think they have an awesome offensive system that works there if they trade for Kyler Murray at 1145 the first Sunday of next season. Apparently they can make it work. Uh, yeah, it does matter. They just did. Incredible. Uh, from uh, Curbinator, what makes it so hard for young players to adjust to end Andy Reid's offense? Obviously, Rasheed Rice has uh, exceeded expectations in terms of how quickly he's gotten involved. What's your best bet on uh, what makes that learning curve so steep? Sure. I, I'm i not sure it's quite as hard as we've made it out to be um, in that we've seen some guys come in and be successful like Rasheed Rice, um, we've seen Trey Smith come in, start as a rookie. Creed Humphrey come in and start as a rookie. The O-line might be a little bit different. Um, I think receiver is what everyone's thinking, right? Because like Travis Kelsey, the minute he was in the offense, he was he was terrific. And then he, Andrew did, Reed, he did miss the first year. I don't know if you got a year yes. mental reps in there or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Not spaghetti, but um, but I, I do think some of it is just I, I don't know if some of these other guys would necessarily like be picking it up faster somewhere else. But the, the 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 actual answer why there are difficulties there is that Andy Reid expects wide receivers that he puts on the field to be able to play X, Y, or Z. He expects them to be able to line up all over the field. And his offense, a lot of the time, is about precision and and um, understanding the sum of the parts. And that's hard to do as opposed to just get out there and run a slant, you know? And so I think, I, I think, I don't know if it's, crazy harder than other places but I do think that's part of it in that he is not big on he he's not he he really wants guys that he trusts to be in like the right spot at the right time type thing I, the only thing I would add is that sometimes that gets in the way and we've seen that defensively and uh, I think that it's probably been hard for Andy Reid to put Rasheed Rice on the field more and hopefully Rasheed Rice has, has made it easier um, but that's I think that's a fun one as well uh, from Adam, what's the counterplay to those stunts we talked about earlier? Running the ball, screens, is there something there? Do you eventually just have to figure out how to deal with this so you can drop back and throw the football? Sure. So screens aren't always going to work necessarily because what screens rely on is the defense getting up field very quickly as opposed to kind of some of the more horizontal movement you'll see with stunts. 
And also because they, they're not engaging as quickly, it might give you a little space to realize the offensive lineman isn't doing the thing that you expect. Um, running the ball certainly can work, but really it's just communication. If you've got an offensive line that communicates well, um, stunts can be rendered largely ineffective. Um, but it's just communication, communication, communication. Running the ball at them, though, that that can definitely help. That's why you're not going to see as many stunts on like a first or second down because, I mean, it's just kind of natural to think about. If you've got guys that are crisscrossing and not holding up gaps, you can just run right through them. Um, but but communication, the run game a little bit can help. Those are a couple of big things. Which current chief would you allow to give the sermon at your vow renewal? From Lev again. <laughs> um. You know, I think that would be a pretty important uh, important event. And if there's one thing that I know, it's that you can trust Patrick Mahomes to be pretty intentional about whatever he does. So I'd probably, I'm, I'm going to go with chalk here and just be like, hey, this means a lot to my wife. You okay doing this? And and apparently we're forcing him to, like he has to, whoever yeah. I pick. So I would probably pick him. Although, like, I mean, it's not, um, I mean, I suppose we were allowed former Chiefs too. Sure, uh, why not? I, I feel like Harrison Butker would probably be a natural. Um, I bet he'd love to do that. And um, but, but in terms of former Chiefs, um, you know, I, I would. I think I don't know that you do. I don't. Hmm. Go sorry. Go ahead. I don't want to. No, 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 no. There's a whole conversation here. What kind of what kind of church do you want to do this in, Seth? Yeah, I don't. No, that's true. Like, I mean, he's like, wait, you guys aren't Catholic? Like, that might become a that's... thing. And so, you know, like, look, hey, Harrison, you're a great kicker, best in the NFL. So um, he might not want to do a Baptist foul renewal. Maybe we tell him we're Nazarenes, we get away with it. So here's, (laughs) I don't know. Um, That's a little interfaith humor for those of you who celebrate. Nazarenes and Catholics have one enormous difference of opinion that came up a lot in college. Yeah, yeah, it came up. Yeah, yeah. Say Travis Kelsey, man. Just let just let Travis Kelsey do it, please. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm not sure how many Effenheimers I can have dropped in front of my kids. Um, I I mean, it's either it's either that or a few things about Mary you may or may not agree with. I mean, (laughs) honestly, I think if I were to pick, it'd be Jamal Charles just because he's kind of my automatic pick for anything. I love that. Uh, a couple of questions kind of rolling through about Chris Jones. It, it, what have you seen from him? Because he hasn't had the sacks the last couple of weeks. He was on an incredible, fiery, hot stretch for a while there. Are defenses paying more attention to him again? It, has he played slightly less consistently? What have you seen from him without having done the deep dive? Right. Um, I appreciate you doing that caveat for me. In I try. Um, I, Miami in particular, um, and really Denver too, they were just all over him. I mean, they... Teams have made a decision, and until Karloftis and Omenahu, well, and really, I mean, they got plenty of pressure on Tua doing it that way. They got plenty of pressure on Russ Wilson. So I think teams are going to commit to this until Spags beats them into submission out of it, and Karloftis and Omenahu are a huge part of that. Here's the one thing, though. Even if they're still giving up five sacks in a game, a few more of those are coverage sacks. Because that's the thing with Jones. That's what separates him from these other guys is he can win in 1.5 seconds. And you see that some with the men who from the interior, but not really anywhere else on the defense. So it's just a ton of attention going his way. They're sliding protections his way constantly. And Spags is utilizing it. So that that's more so what you're seeing. A couple of questions here that were uh, discussing um, overrated Chiefs from Chiefs history. 
This is a dangerous one. I understand. It means you're going to have to slander somebody. And I don't have an answer right now. But does someone come to mind when someone says, Get, grab a chief from the last, you know, 10 or 15 years or so who's the most overrated in, in the eyes of most Chiefs fans. You're smiling like you have an answer. I don't know that I do right now. I'm thinking about it. I'm going to try uh, to get one. Correct. I do not want to leave you. I do not want to leave you on the... Uh, on my... Both. Either. It's not him. You can, I don't... I Even I don't think it's him. I, I think... I, I, I So I, I... You know what? I will just say, in terms of overrated Chiefs, I don't like this game. I I don't like running people down. I, I do think I do think for a while I'm gonna cheat. This is gonna be great. I think for a while Dan Sorensen became overrated because of tackle stats and how people sure. view things, and because he made a few splash plays. I think people overrated him a great deal, um, and then he almost became underrated at a certain point when everyone became like, "Oh, he's the worst defensive player in the world." Add some um, names in the comments, everybody. I want to pick a few, and we can just say the names and then see how Seth reacts. Oh, oh, good. It's not Tom Bahali. That I saw that show up earlier, and that's ridiculous. I no, refuse. That 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 I love Glenn. Glenn, I refuse. I, I think that's a. I think that's absurd. White um, Bacon said is reading your mind a little bit. A couple of Tyron Matthew nominees. I don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> we certainly couldn't talk ball with him. Definitely, um, definitely could not. Uh, uh, not, Greg Wesley, I'm not willing to give that one either. You're pick, um, people are picking a lot of fun players. Who said Dwayne Boat? Tucker, kick him, ban him. Jesse, not sorry, you're not welcome here anymore. Sorry, Je I, Jesse, I apologize. I think you had a nice comment earlier on. I was like, oh, that's a good yeah, question. Yeah, I forgot about it, and you said like a dumb thing. Your daughter fishing. Um, I I do think so. People, you know, no, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's Tomba. Um, Donnie Avery is in terms of ball. in terms of Nick Bolton. I think the 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 conversation around him has become a lot more sensible when people have seen Drew Tranquil come in and still run the defense really well. Yeah. Where people are saying, "Oh, Bolton's a good player that can do this and this well," but it's not like you know he's the engine through which the Chiefs' defense operates. Before it would have been him because that just wasn't true, and that's not his fault. He's a good player. But, you know, he was treated as though he were the primary driver of the defense, and he's not. Just like right now, Drew Tranquil's not one of the primary drivers of the defense, or Willie Gay Jr. So, um, Tyron Matthew, I would say his last year with the Chiefs, he would have been one of the most overrated players. Um, he did he, he did help them out a great deal in getting that first Super Bowl, though. Yeah, which is noteworthy bad at in the this. resume. I am bad at this. I am not someone who's going to generally say that... Um, you know, a guy was particularly overrated. No, and I'm, I'm trying to get us to a good place where we can actually evaluate it. Um, can we uh, uh, talk about Hussein Abdullah being underrated, though? You're oh, damn right we can. Yes. You're absolutely. I That is that's a that is a poor take of mine. I don't know why, but absolutely yeah. underrated. No, Hussein Abdullah was 100% underrated. He could play out of the slot. He could play deep safety. He could play robber. He could play hybrid linebacker. He tackled well. He did everything well, like legitimately well. Um, Dean Williams, Williams is a pretty good one. Yeah, he got he was a superstar cog, or I mean, he was he was a a playmaking cog on a team with superstars. Yep. Um, but again, like useful in route to a Super Bowl. Um, I like there's like a hot take about like Priest Holmes that I don't. That's also not what I mean. Where it's like, well, but his offensive line was yes, his offensive line was outrageous. And he did tremendous things with it. So yeah, that's not a. I don't think that's a fun one. 
Um, I, I, I would agree. I do think people tend to put like priest homes in the same um, stratosphere as Jamal yep. Charles, and that's not, and, and, and not in my right. opinion. But that Holmes was a great player, so it's kind of tough, you know. And it, it's all it's levels. all tough. It is. I, there's probably a wide receiver at some point who got way over. Like, listen, I still fundamentally reject the idea of Dwayne Bow being anywhere near this conversation. Uh, but there probably is a wide receiver on a crummy team who was just who made some plays and people got excited about, and it was like, right. oh man, we have now he's wide receiver one. And it's like, oh no, we were just depressed. <laughs> we were just, we were just watching some not great football. But I don't, I legitimately don't have one of those in mind. Yeah, I would love to like drop a bomb and say like Alex Smith or something. But Alex Smith is a good dude who I think was a good quarterback in Kansas City. And by the time he left, it underrated. felt like he was properly rated at that point. Maybe People underrated. Like, oh no, he's he's a good quarterback, but maybe not quite good enough. You know, like yeah. we can continue to take uh, take applications for this i think i think nate would answer this question straight up so uh we can we can leave that to for him to come up with one at some point uh there's there's a way more fun underrated ones that we can also uh we can also work through um there was one more i wanted to get before we cross the hour mark even without seth here or even without nate here oh god i wish seth wasn't here um This is how Josh shows affection, everyone. It's it's also how I cover up my own mistakes. Like I misspoke, and I was like, I can slam Seth with that with he, that mistake. I, it's like it's like a gentle hug. Is it? I give I give good hugs. I think I don't I don't know. I give good hugs. You're good. I, hug. I hope they're you're I hope no they're, Nate. But that's who is? fair. That's who is that's as a hugger. Um, last question here, Zach Eisen asked, uh, what wide receiver prototype do you want to see the Chiefs go after this offseason? I love this question. It'll be a thought experiment we have a lot more time for in the offseason. Uh, here's Zach. I'll go first. Not a guy who needs to have 80% of his snaps in the slot. That is my, that's my first one. Partially because I like, I like an outside receiver because I'm basic. And partially because this entire plane is built out of slot receivers. So what do you think? <laughs> um, I completely agree. I think you're still looking for someone. And keep in mind, this doesn't necessarily mean prototypical size. It means the skill set to play outside, which means you need a certain amount of acceleration, a certain amount of actual deep speed, a certain amount of ball tracking skills, and the ability to get off the line. There are guys that can, Tyler Lockett can do all that, and he is a tiny dude. But you need, now he's more the exception than the rule. You know, him and the Steve Smiths of the world, they, they're more the exception than the rule. But I would want someone who is more of a pure, um, more of a pure boundary guy, which means you don't necessarily need to value like insane quickness quite as much because you're not counting on him to be a slot guy. So I, I I'm actually right there with you. Um, so that's honestly I'm I'm gonna be basic right there with you. Glenn Megatron out of retirement. That's a great suggestion. That would be uh, from the comments. If Glenn, you wanted to do that, Glenn has redeemed himself by saying a normal one, which is also I think a normal one. Of, yes. A normal-ish guy just, who can run routes. Like, yeah, yeah that sounds just, great. Just, yeah. <laughs> that is such a good comment, Glenn. Just a normal one. Like, I appreciate the vision they had for Kadarius Tony. I get it. I appreciate the vision that they had for Sky Moore. I get it. Honestly, like, to me, normal-ish, let's lean more towards what Rasheed Rice does, right? Yeah. Rasheed Rice seems more like a normal receiver that I think should continue to get opportunities. So uh, that yes, I I feel like Tyreek Hill might have ruined them a little bit. Yeah, 
And if we talk more about Canarius Tony, this show is going to be two hours long. And there's a question here about how much improvement should we expect from the Chiefs after the bye? We're not going to answer that question today because I think that is going to be a very large part of what we talk about on Monday's edition of Only Weird Games. We'll have a weekend of NFL action, which, of course, you can hear on your home for the NFL in Kansas City, Sports Radio 810 WHB, including Thursday night, Monday night, all of that. Um, So you can uh, enjoy the weekend of football action. We'll be back on Monday to to continue to do kind of a bigger picture by week hopes and takeaways kind of deal. And then Thursday, we will look ahead to Chiefs and Eagles. You can read. Seth's Mahomes film review and that Crow Office article that we hadn't talked about much, both up in the Chief in the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Um, Isaiah Pacheco interview that I did and a bunch of other stuff over at arrowheadreport.com if you're feeling real frisky, including uh, work from the esteemed Zach Eisen, who we took a question from a second ago. Plus, I've told you about 21 questions in the lab and all of that, so I think that we have successfully cross-promoted like 90% of the Chiefs content currently happening in the world, which is good. We like having friends. And uh, with that, Seth, I don't know if you want to tease another review that's on the way, if you have the next one lined up, and uh, you can do that, and then you can get us out of here if it's talking about your wife or anything else. You have to end the show today, because Nate's not here. Yeah, I know. You backed into a quarter is my favorite version of you. So, um, in terms of what I'm going to be working on this week... If someone could clip that for Twitter and the restraining order, I would really (laughs) appreciate it. I might just stand in that corner while you talk. For for purposes of, of next week, I think what I'm going to be working on is things I would do with the framework they currently have on offense to get a little more consistency out of the offense. Now, some of it is simple, like play better. I mean, right. you know, how did I not think of this? Catch the ball when it's... But I, to me, I think there's a few personnel things they can do that would help them moving forward. And so that's probably what I'm going to be focused on this next week. Um, in terms of his... Adam Sheehan asking who I'm going to talk about to close this show. His wife or his podcast wife, which we all know is Josh. I really like. I don't like that. Uh, look, I'll, okay, fine. You can be my podcast husband. I'll be the podcast wife. I'm fine I with don't it. want to be podcast married to you. I no one asked you though. That's the thing. <laughs> no, it's it. This is a straight up old school Indian marriage where it's just like. You know, from the Asian continent, by the way, where you have never met me before. The veil came off and that's who you're marrying. He would be a doctor, you know, whatever. Right. I, this so, is like the Podmaid's tale is what I'm currently experiencing. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. So, all right. I haven't seen the show. I, I'm sure it's horrifying. I am going to. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. The, I've, I've only watched like the first season. I was like, man, this is horrifying. If that joke was too dark for people who have actually seen the show, it's what you know I haven't seen it. So I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just gave some people nightmares. White, Let me tell. White you. Bacon has had two comments here: one, domestic uh, podcast, domestic partners, or podcast quote roommates. And yeah, that's the funniest. This is that's yeah, the this funniest. Is my roommate, Josh. All right. Um. So, all right. I'll, yeah, I'll end the show and just say again, and I opened with it. Um, sixteen years of 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 wedded domestic bliss, and um, jazz. You rarely watch these things. Thank God. So, um, I will just say. That had someone told me um, 16 years ago how great it would be, like legitimately life-alteringly great, I would have never believed them. I came in with the highest of expectations into my marriage, and they've been nothing but completely, totally surpassed. And every day, I legitimately cannot believe that I am married to you. Um, It is unbelievable. And so... Uh, Jazz Kaiser, thanks for marrying me 16 years ago. 
I I am thankful every single day. And uh, that that's legitimate, even if I'm currently being unfaithful with you with my with my roommate Josh here. I love you too, Seth.